It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. On Saturday, a group of men, some wearing balaclavas, with baseball bats, sticks and dogs, arrived at a migrant camp in West Dublin, intent on making the men who lived there move on. The attack on the camp was witnessed by Irish Times journalist Kitty Holland. This is in the news from the Irish Times. I'm Bernice Harrison. Today, a violent encounter in Dublin. Kitty, why were you in West Dublin on Saturday afternoon? So myself and the photographer Dara McDonnell um, went up to Ashtown on Saturday. They're just coming up to noon. I'd been told and the news desk also got word that there were quite a number of tents up by the River Tolka in Ashtown and looked like quite an organised tented village, if you like, there by, by the river. So it sounded like quite an interesting homelessness story, housing crisis story. And that was the intention of the visit on Saturday. So we went up and um, found the the, the tents, which were quite visible from River Road leading up to Coolmine Rugby Club, and um, went down to talk to them. And the people there were were quite wary at first, but they were very welcoming then when we, um, you know, told them we were journalists and just there to have a chat. Can I ask you how many, you say people, how many were they men or women or how many people are you talking about? Yeah, so I had no idea who was going to be there, whether it was going to be Irish people, non-nationals, women, children, what, but um, there were six men, most of them from the EU, most so the Hungary, Croatia, Poland, Portugal, and then there was a man from India, and there had been a man from Scotland living there up until recently, but his tent was flooded, so he had left. So there were eight originally, and there were six there when we arrived. So we spoke to them and they showed us around and they had um, tents to sleep in and tents where they kept their belongings and they had some old armchairs and they had a little table made. They'd even put up some little ornaments on the tree for Christmas decorations and they had washing line and one of them worked in construction and he had built sort of a shed for himself out of wooden pallets. So it was quite interesting anyway in in terms of the um, lengths, I suppose, these people had gone to to survive the housing crisis. I remember I was staying in my tent. We spoke to them and did the interviews and then we went back anyway then to where we had parked and then we drove separately back towards the city centre and as we were approaching the camp area, there were some men coming towards us with dogs, big dogs, and carrying a baseball bat and a couple of had sticks and one of them was wearing a black balaclava and I just kind of 
knew immediately where they were headed for and was horrified. Actually rolled down my window to try and remonstrate with them, but they were moving one way, I was moving the other. And I rang Dara anyway, and he was ringing me at the same time because he had also seen it. And we parked up around the corner and ran back. So you knew this was threatening, obviously. Obviously you knew something was going to happen. And I was um, quite uh, sort of exercised by what was happening. So I was kind of shouting ahead, what are you doing? What are you doing? Because I was you know, worried about what was unfolding um, ahead of us. Um, and by the time we got there, th- I suppose they had heard, they knew they were being interrupted. So they were kind of in retreat and they were on their way out really by the time we got there. So they weren't there for very long. Kitty, how many men did you see running towards the camp? I'd say there were five or six, certainly more than four, but not more than six. So around the five or six. Would they have had any idea that you were a journalist reporting? I think I told them, yeah. I think I said, um, partly to try and stop them, you know, that, you know, there's someone here who who, who can tell the world what's happened here. Um, and they and the, and they said, that they said if Dara took any pictures, they'd break him or they'd break us. Or one of them said that. When I said, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? They said that there had been um, an assault in the area in, you know, in the week previously and that in their minds anyway, these men, the men who were living there were linked to that. So they said that was their motivation. What did the men in the camp say happened? So, um, yeah, as I was saying, like when we, when we, by the time we got there, the men who had arrived with the dogs were kind of in retreat. um, But we had heard bashing and shouting and sort of noise and commotion and, you know, get out and leave now, leave now. Um, So we heard that. And then when it got down, there was um, one of the men, the Polish kid, really. He's only just 20. You all right? He hit you with a big stick, did he? No, with a baseball bat. With a baseball bat? Yeah. Rubbing his arm and could, didn't seem to be able to move it, was holding it straight beside him. And um, I asked if it was broken and had he been hit with a stick. <clears throat> and he said he'd been hit with a baseball bat and that he didn't, his bones weren't broken, but his tendons were sore, was what he said. Yeah. Well, no, it's okay, I have strong bones, but tendons, it on my tendons. He was very distressed, he was kind of quite tearful. They mean business. That's why I was reading the comments to see how serious he was. Very serious. The Indian man who had been quite chatty before was like seemed really traumatized. He was in shock, really. Um, he was just in silence, um, kind of packing up his stuff. He kind of went into his tent for a bit, and then he came out and started just slowly dismantling it and putting things away. The Portuguese man who had been sort of saying, "I think we need to probably leave," you know, at some stage soon, uh, was, "We have to go now. That you know, this is this is serious. This is this is escalating too far. They mean business." We're going to have to go, we're going to have to go. Just pack up and go and uh, that's it, don't come back here. Mm. How are you going to go? Hmm? How are you going to carry all your stuff? No, I'm not going to carry it, I don't need this stuff. Just leave it? Just leave it, just leave it here. The way they treated us, there's no point to clean up anything, just leave. What did they shout? What were they shouting? They said, uh, pack up and go now, now. So they said now, we have to leave now. So there's no point to pack up anything. Take anything. I take my document, my stuff, and yeah. you know, my bag. That's all I need. My bag. Yeah. That's all I need. And then the Hungarian fella was absolutely livid. This country, everyone expects if someone is homeless, is a junkie, uneducated dickhead. Especially if we are foreign people. Yeah. This country, and you know, I just came here to work. I didn't know. None of us wants to be homeless. None of us wants to be like this. And the reason I'm homeless is I was messed around or I was fecked over. Um, 
and you know I'll gladly go home but this country owes me my money first and he, he was just he said I've never experienced anything like this and you know what I really hate I really did like Irish people what when they start being racist I can't take it so a mixture of yeah upset hurt anger shock trauma and were the tents still standing? One of them was kind of knocked over and one was um, one was kind of leaning. So, I mean, it all happened very fast. I don't think they really had time to do an awful lot of damage. If, the, if they were intending to, maybe they weren't. Do you think if you hadn't been there, more damage would have been done? I don't know what their plan was. You know, was it the plan to go down and make a lot of noise and make a hit a few things? Or was there an intention to do more? I mean... It sounds like they achieved what they wanted, which is the men have left. And one man was quite, you know, was hurt. Were they surprised? Had they expected an attack? Had they been attacked before, for example? They hadn't been attacked before, but they said that they had had people coming down to the camp, taking pictures and kind of questioning why they were there and what they were doing there. And they were uneasy. Um, they said they had been there quite peacefully for about seven months. And certainly um, the Indian man was saying he wanted to go when, you know, this was before the attack. Uh, the Portuguese guy was saying that, you know, they would have to go at some point. They kind of, it was, things weren't as peaceful as they had been. So they were on their guard already. And I think they were feeling that it was probably not going to be safe. And then when that happened, they were like, it's time to go. They were packing up to leave on Saturday. So um, they said they were going to make their way to the city centre. Um, I'm hoping to meet up with one of them later on today. Um, they, I know they're in contact with Dublin Simon, who run the Rough Sleeper Outreach Team. The Mendicity Institution knows the Portuguese man and they know the Hungarian man. And they're keeping an eye out for them. And, you know, I'm hoping I'll get, I'll get to contact them again through that. I'll continue my conversation with Kitty Holland after this short break. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit get 30, bit get 20, 20, 20, bit get 20, 20, bit get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. So this camp. Can you tell me, how did the men end up there? These are EU citizens for the most part. Um, they're entirely legally entitled to be living and working here. How do they end up there living in a tented city, as you describe, you know, 10, 11 kilometres from the city centre? Uh, how, how does this happen? 
Well, what they told me, I mean, the individual stories, like the Portuguese fellow came here to work and he had got a job um, in a number of hotels. He was quite frank about the fact that he was fired from his last job um, for, he said, telling a funny joke. It sounds like he was rude (laughs) to a customer um, and that he then couldn't afford to pay the rent. There was the Indian man. He had a job organised and then that fell through. He wasn't able to pay his rent of uh, €550 a month for a shared room. So he lost his accommodation and he actually has got work since. He became homeless and is, is still working in a tech company serving food. The Polish guy, I'm, I'm not, he didn't tell me his circumstances, but he very young, he had come here. Um, he had addiction issues and he was quite open about that. So I suppose a mixture of reasons why they had fallen out of accommodation, like so many people um, that had fallen through for them. And they variously told me that they'd been sort of sleeping rough and that the sort of word of mouth that there was this kind of peaceful enclave out um, on the train. It's a train out to Ashtown Station and um, it's a short walk from there and that there was privacy there. And, and I'd imagine during the summer it was quite sheltered with le- a canopy of leaves over and it would have been dry. It wouldn't have been as churned up and muddy and exposed as it is at the moment. So you wrote in your report in the Irish Times of the weekend's events that the Gardaí know the camp is there. Uh, the council appear to know the camp is there because they get rubbish bags delivered. So is that sort of a tacit support for the camp? Is it an approval that this is, this is how, this is part of the patchwork attempt to solve our homeless crisis? Well, I, d- I don't think anyone would say they're part of the solution, but in the absence of any other solution, I suppose, you know, what, what can Fingal County Council or the guards or anyone do? You know, they can't move them anywhere. At least they're somewhat, you know, not on, you know, in the middle of a public park or, uh, you know, on someone's front door. So, um, yes, I suppose there's, if you want to call it a tacit approval, but a, a tacit acceptance that, you know, there isn't housing for everyone. And there's certainly not affordable housing for everyone. And that if people can make arrangements for themselves, however, you know, squalid and unappealing to most people, then people, you know, there's the, people will support them in that as best they can. And how do you see this as social affairs correspondent? How do you see this in terms of the bigger picture? Because... All of January, we have been seeing increasing number of protests outside asylum centres, sort of a rise of anti-migrant feeling. How do you see that as part of that? Yeah, well, I mean, speaking to people like Shane O'Curry from the Irish Network Against Racism and Aubrey McCarthy, who runs the Lighthouse um, Place for Homeless People, I mean, they're, but they're both saying that they've noticed just in the last three months a real kind of uptick in the vocalisation of racism, the um, the venom behind it, the um, the level of in, intent is kind of simmering there, uh, and that minorities are telling Shane O'Curry that. You know, they're really scared that they are very aware, not irrationally, that they are potential targets of violence. Um, and this is the kind of thing that, you know, would scare them. Like it's 
sleeping rough is always going to make you vulnerable. It's a very vul- It's probably the most vulnerable you can be. You know, um, that you often hear about people being attacked as rough sleepers um, and in, on the streets and that kind of thing. And I haven't heard that that's got any worse. But what's accompanying it for migrants is that there's a kind of vocalisation of racism with it. Um, so, like. We're seeing the protests at East Wall. We've seen the protests in Ballymon. Where there's protests now in Lismore, and people do have really genuine concerns about what's happening in their communities, and you know, large numbers of you know, new arrivals in their community, and can their communities cope? And you can understand that. But then, on another level, I think that's being manipulated, um, and you know, people are people are not blaming the government in, in a lot of cases for the for the housing issues and that kind of thing they're they're looking at migrants and saying this is the new factor in our society and and this must be the cause of it um and that's a very easy um an easy message or an easy route to go down in your head and and that's that seems to be what's happening and i suppose you know when you hear that there's a kind of a, a, viol- a, a violent atmosphere brewing as Shane O'Curry was saying to me it's it's volatile and I've been to some of the protests, I've looked at them and they are ordinary people who are in many cases I'd I'd imagine really um, devastated by what the housing crisis is doing to their families, um, are really angry about that and who can blame them. Um, and the thing is, I suppose a lot of them would not be kind of political activists in a way. So there's an unpredictability about how this might go and what way it can, what way that anger it could be channeled. So it's really, it's it's really frightening. I think for if you're a minority at the moment in Ireland. For all Irish Times reporting on immigration and the homelessness crisis, subscribe at irishtimes.com forward slash subscribe. This episode was produced by Declan Conlon. In the news, we'll be back on Wednesday. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.